Welcome back, nerds. We are your hosts this week. I'm Jake. And I am Chad. This week, we are sponsored by Ray's Energy Drinks. We are also sponsored by Crybaby Craig's Hot Sauce. This week, we'll be talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi, now streaming on Disney+. We are also joined this week with Russ Braun. Oh, so cool. We're kind of fanboying Such out about this awesome one. Such an awesome guy. This is, a, this is a big one for us. Um, but we'll get into it later. Let's get into it. This is the All Things Nerd Podcast. Oh. Cheers. I want the cheers of the camera because that's how we know. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to the All Things Nerd podcast, your weekly dive into all things nerd. So, Jake, what's up? Oh, well, we're in the same room together. I know, right? Which has been a while. Oh too long it's been like eight months and yeah. that wasn't a hotel room yeah your dog bit me i remember and then got a little steamy <laughs> because he gets turned on by dog bites it's really weird Tell i him to leave her alone i moved which is why we didn't do an episode um was that last week yeah yeah uh so we are officially back and in mm. the new setup as you can see it's set up uh it is set up. <laughs> but yeah so we're here. Um, it's fun. Chad, what about you? Well, I mean, I helped you move. You did. You were here for it. Yeah, I was here for it. I mean, I kind of had to be. Yeah. You helped me move from Ohio. Yeah. That was way worse. I had to get you out of that shit state, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to this shit state. Yeah. And we had to get you out of that shit apartment to this wonderful house. <laughs> I was like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> there was a snafu, but it's... There somewhat handled being taken care of at some point in time (laughs) Uh, but also during our week off we we watched morbius a oscar nod uh morbius oscar nod yeah it got an oscar nod no it did oh i was like wow (laughs) giving up on the oscars officially (laughs) um i got my elbow on the table and like shaking my leg and it's like making everything (laughs) shake <clears throat> we we watched Morbius. It was It's not great cotton. <laughs> I sure do like pumpkins, cotton. Uh it was not a fantastic movie. Yeah. I mean, I went into it with very low expectations mm. because of all the reviews. I still didn't really enjoy it. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to, but I also did not really like it. There was some cool parts. There were some cool parts. Like, the way that they did the echolocation, yep. especially, like, throughout the city, mm-hmm. looked really cool. Some of the other <clears> graphics <throat> definitely fell a little short. Well, the, we- the weird trails, I thought was weird. Yeah. Behind everything. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know I don't... how to explain it. It was, like, smoke. Like yeah, a smoke trail. But Whatever color clothing they were wearing is what color the smoke was. But even when <clears throat> Michael Morbius wasn't wearing purple, there was still like purple behind him because that's like his color. But when he was wearing the orange, it was like orange smoke behind it. Oh, it yeah. Was, that's it true. was very strange. Yeah. That's about all I got on there. <laughs> we're following Thumper's rule of thumb here. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. Uh... If you want to watch it, I mean, it's out now to where you can stream it. 
Yeah, give it a go. Don't don't go in with high expectations, mm -hmm. and then you might enjoy it a little bit more. Fair. However, something that deserves high expectations that we've been watching. It's not nerdy at all. <clears throat> well, I but mean, it has our current man collective crush. man crush. Yeah. Uh, if this again, like Jad said, this isn't a nerdy thing, but we just feel like if you're not watching it, you should probably be watching it. Yeah, it's absolutely. On Hulu, it's called Under the Banner of Heaven. Um, it stars Andrew Garfield, who was Spider-Man at one point. Yeah, and was also back in the most recent Spider-Man. Yeah. But this, I mean, the show is so fucking good. Yeah, it's based like in the 80s yeah. in Mormon country, Utah, and it's a <laughs> murder investigation. Yeah, it's a dark, it's a thriller. It's like a murder thriller. Um, it's my beer out of sight here sorry <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we don't drink on this podcast <laughs> go check it out if you're not watching it it's it's definitely an honorable mention you guys should be watching it it's very good very, that maybe, very that maybe could be something that we just start doing on here in general is just pointing out like hey go not, check this out yeah not, it's not nerdy, nerdy stuff but that you check it out watching yeah that's that'll be our first one <clears throat> go watch it go watch it <clears throat> so jake where do we go from here? <laughs> you see, we we threw we threw me off because we switched it, which was whatever. It's fine. Uh, we're gonna go into sponsor number one, <laughs> which is you better keep this in. Uh, we're gonna go to sponsor number one. Even my spit that I just like spit across the table. <laughs> Is uh, <laughs> uh, sponsor number one is Raise Energy Drinks. It's a wonderful energy drink with zero sugar, zero calories, and zero crash. Uh, they also do some other cool shit. Uh, listen up, we'll tell you more about it. What's up, nerds? I wanted to take a minute and talk to you about Raise Energy, an incredible energy drink that provides max energy with zero crash. Raise Energy takes a giant leap of faith with instilling a high quality formula to bring a powerful yet sustained energetic experience to help you push your workouts and focus to the next level perfect for anyone at any time empowered by their refresh formula technology raise energy delivers a performance enhancing energy drink that aids in multiple different categories that include targeted focus better recovery time improved clean energy levels and a boost in stamina and hydration but most importantly Every can of Raise Energy has absolutely zero calories, zero sugar, and zero carbohydrates to give you a smarter and healthier option. So don't settle for an energy drink that contains more sugar and carbohydrates than you can count. Instead, head over to repsports.com. That's R-E-P-P-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com and use the promo code NERDPODCAST at checkout for 15% off your order. Or if you don't know what you want, go ahead and click the link that's in the description for, to get a $50 sample pack for free. All you do is you cover the cost of shipping. Again, make sure you use promo code NERDPODCAST at checkout to let them know that we sent you. Welcome back, everyone. This week we have an awesome guest with us. He is known for being one of the artists behind the Boys comic series, has worked on some of your favorite animated Disney films, and so much more. Please welcome Russ Braun. Russ, Absolutely. thank you so much for joining the show. Cheers. And cheers. <clears throat> well, uh, 
I guess first and foremost, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, who is Russ Brown? Well, uh, I'm a comic artist. I've been doing it since uh, 1989, so a little over 30 years. Um, and yeah, I started out right out of school. I went to the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. And uh, one of my teachers uh, was Joe Orlando, who was the vice president up at DC Comics. Um, really great guy. I'd known him. I'd met him before. He'd written my recommendation to get into school and said, when you're there, make sure to take my class. And uh, so he liked what I did, and he asked me to come up and, uh, and see if we can get any work from him uh, at DC. And that's when I started out. It was, a, you know, sounds really easy, but you, know, you had to work really hard to get, uh, get noticed, you know? Yeah. Uh, I got up right. there and started working for DC right out of right out of school, '89. That's awesome. We did uh, the first project was um, called Ford Fairlane. It was a, a movie prequel comic for uh, the Andrew Andrew Dice Clay movie Ford Fairlane. Not a lot of people remember it or know it, um, but uh, I just basically was on to design the characters and do some research. And uh, they liked my sketches. They ended up using my pencil sketches for the covers. And then the regular artist on the book uh, left halfway through the project. He had uh, a conflict. Um, Jose Delbo was that guy. And um, so they said, you want to try penciling? And I was like, all right, Joe, I'll give it a try. I just was always positive. I would say to Joe, okay, Joe, I'll, I'll try it. I'll, I'll go for it. You know, you, you had to kind of try and always say yes. And uh, so um, we had very short deadline. It was going to be like two weeks to get the, the whole comic done, the, the next one. And uh, so he called in a, a favor on, from a friend, uh, Carmine Infantino, who some of you have heard of. And uh, he, uh, Carmine did the rough layouts, and I would get the boards from him and pencil right over them. And we were doing like three or four pages a day uh, just to uh -huh. get it done. Um, and I was terrified at first because Carmine is – I'd heard Carmine was really tough and really uh, a tough, mean old guy. He's the nicest guy in the world. He was just great to get along with. I got to go see his uh, his apartment, his studio at his, at his apartment, uh, just a couple of blocks. This is all in Manhattan. You know, back when the uh, offices were in Manhattan and everybody lived in Manhattan if you were a freelancer. And, uh, so, yeah, Drew Ford Fairlane, inked by Don Heck and Frank Springer. So it was like a who's who of everybody that I grew up um, with their comic book work from the 60s and 70s, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a way to start, uh, to say the least. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it only got, you know, crazier from there. Uh, and I thought, well, this is the way it's going to be. You know, one of the next jobs I had was drawing Batman um, with Jose Luis Garcia Lopez inked it. And he's like the another great, great guy, a real mentor to me doing it. I hadn't really known much about the storytelling aspect of comics, uh, aside from reading it. I was so concerned about the drawings being perfect that I couldn't really get the flow of the story as well as I wanted to. Uh, a lot of my characters in, in the panels, they were like aware of the panel borders. I used to say that people would be hunching because the panel border was going to cut them here. And a lot of times I'd get a drawing I really liked, but it was about like this far over from where I wanted it to be. So there was nothing you could do back then. It was just, it's already drawn on the board. I used to cut panels out and draw on another piece of paper and tape it in back because Everything else on the page was great except that one panel. So, uh, you know, it's all changed a lot now. But, yeah, so really early on, all the stuff for DC, I got to work with uh, 
Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, uh, Denny O'Neill wrote it. Um, I'll just keep name dropping for the beginning of the whole thing. Uh, right after Batman, there was uh, George Perez, uh, War of the Gods, like this big crossover, like when they were just starting to do you know, multi, multi-comic crossovers. And it didn't go as well as he was hoping it would. He was also doing Infinity Gauntlet at the same time for Marvel. So everyone was overextended, but I did what I could to get as much of it uh, done for him before I had to leave for an internship at Disney. I went down to Florida and uh, learned how to animate down there while they were working on Beauty and the Beast. I got to draw one frame of Beauty and the Beast. It's not credited, but it was kind of fun to be involved. And uh, So I had to drop out of War of the Gods at that time. Can you tell us which frame? Uh, it's really hard to find it exactly. It's uh, one of the scenes where it's the beast, and it's where the beast has uh, supposedly died, and then you just see his chest rising and falling just a little bit. And uh, I drew one of those uh, frames, really just That's literally awesome. one, one drawing. It's probably on for two uh, two frames to the whole movie. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, it's a... That's, <laughs> that's still cool, really man. cool, though. So yeah, just it was only a couple of months down at Disney to start. I was 91. And then I came back up here and started working, uh, <clears throat> doing stuff for Vertigo. I was kind of like that when Vertigo was just starting. So I was kind of like the fill-in guy at Vertigo. I did uh, Animal Man and Swamp Thing here and there. And uh, just, again, this is a time in comics when, uh, you know, early 90s, a lot of really creative people coming into the, the scene. Uh, I got to meet great people through Vertigo. Um, I'd be up at the offices all the time. And uh, because, you know, you're a freelancer, you're working at home. You don't have like a work community. So you got to go find your community. You got to go to the offices and meet people. Back then it'd be like, hey, you know, are you done with that that book? I'm like, yeah. You you want anything? You got any? You need some work? And those editors would offer you work that way. So it was fun. It was a fun time to be in comics. Later, you went and worked yeah, down in I, uh, Florida with Disney, right? So I kept working uh, for DC uh, through the early 90s. I never really got what I wanted out of it. I was I was doing little things here and there. So uh, Disney had kept calling since the internship. And finally, they said, uh, we need help on a movie. If you came down to do uh, cleanup animation, uh, we know you want to be in the story department. And there's a, a story training department we're going to start up in Florida if you come down. And uh, I said, okay, you know what? Sure, I'll do that. And, uh, I needed a change. I needed a, a change of scenery. And a steady job seemed like a nice thing. So I went down. I uh, worked on Mulan. That was the first movie. Um, and they were about 30% done with it when I got there. And we had to do 70% in like the rest of that year. So uh, by the second week I was working there, uh, we were doing wow. uh, six days a week. And then by the, like the, End of the first month, we were doing seven-day weeks just to oh, man. take up time. So it's good overtime. I ended up paying off a whole bunch of debts wow. and uh, uh, enjoyed it. And it's such a great movie. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, really, it's a fantastic movie. So good job. One of my favorite <laughs> animated I'll take, I, Actually, I yeah. joked with them. I said, if, okay, if you want me to come down and work on this, uh, I have a couple of couple of you know things that, that you have to do. First of all, it's got to be called Russ Bronze Mulan. Because <laughs> uh, this is when it was like, you know, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula and all this other stuff. Everyone was putting the name for us. And uh, I mean, I had to tell him I was joking. This is HR you're talking to. You know, <laughs> so creative minds. Sorry, people. Yeah. But, uh, uh, 
So, yeah, but the, the other thing was that I, I would go into the story training department as soon as I was. But that never materialized. I ended up down there for about seven years. I uh, worked on a lot of great movies with a lot of great people. Made some friends for life. And, uh, but, yeah, so from uh, Mulan, as soon as we finished Mulan, we had what was called downtime. There was no work. You still got paid as if you were working. And I'm like, as a freelancer, uh, what a great concept. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. wait, I, didn't draw the, I didn't draw a page and I got paid for a page, you know? So uh, that didn't last as long as I'd hoped. Be like, <laughs> I had only a couple of months and then they put me on um, a short film. It was great because I got to draw Goofy. It's like How to Haunt a House with Goofy. Then right from there on to the next project, the next project. I worked on everything that came through that, that studio and never had any more downtime. It was like... Uh, Mulan, the Goofy short, uh, Tarzan ended up drawing like miscellaneous elephants in the background and uh, little apes and crazy stuff like that. But the elephants were like these giant, giant drawings. And uh, the line quality, the line width was something like that thick on some of the, the, the elephant's feet, you know. Yeah. Really, uh, you know, it was interesting to do. Uh, from there, uh, Emperor's New Groove was also one that we helped on while we were ramping up our own film in Florida. And uh, that was a lot of fun to do too. So uh, I drew Cusco Llama and uh, Yzma the, when she turned into a cat, you know, the Eartha Kit. Oh, nice. And uh, so those are some memorable scenes nice. that I got to work on. And then Lilo and Stitch was the next one. That was all Florida's. And that was a really great one to work on. Uh, I worked on Jumba, who was the, uh, the evil scientist who created Stitch. A purple guy with uh, four eyes. Yeah, that's and awesome. We, we did a couple yeah. other things, uh, small things like uh, Little Match Girl, or it was, ended up being in one of the Fantasias after that. And the final one was Brother Bear. And after Brother Bear, they pretty much shut down the whole studio. And, uh, they let half of us go, and then they closed the whole studio down right after that. Everything went digital. Everything went uh, CG. So, uh, which, uh, to be honest. Uh, once they've, uh, when Pixar started doing stuff that had so much life and heart to it that uh, you didn't need the hand um, in it as much as, you know, early movies didn't have that kind of like life to it that the hand-drawn animation does. You still, nothing's going to ever beat uh, Pinocchio, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, everyone's going to try. But the physical act of sitting there drawing the traditional hand-drawn animation is a grueling process. I mean, uh, that I think it's worth it. I wouldn't want to do it again. Um, <laughs> but I picked up a lot of stuff from it that I carried on to comics when I got back, like the real, the line quality stuff, like the real, like when I first started doing it, it was like holding my breath to get the lines perfect. Try to do oh, it man. one sweep, but you have to kind of like massage the line, make it go where you want it to go and, uh, and make it uniquely, not, well, actually not unique. You have to make it, fit with everybody else's drawings. So uh, some people used to say when I told them I worked for Disney, like, oh, I, can, I know that scene. I, that you, you, you drew that. I could, I could see your drawing. And I'm like, no, you can't. Because it was me and like at least 10 other people working on that one part of that one scene. And if you can see my drawings, then I did something wrong because it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it flashing like that. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Another fun insane. thing is that, uh, at, at Disney, another guy at the time who was working there, uh, ended up becoming a hugely famous comics guy. Uh, Phil Noto was working at Disney, doing the same job I was doing. Um, 
I had no idea he was into comics until like towards the end of my time there. He ended up getting some work. I mean, I'd seen his drawings. He's really an amazing artist. And uh, he came to me one time with like a, a script asking about like, like some script direction and what is this? And I'm like, I'm looking at reading this. It was an OTS shot. And I was like, OTS? I'm like, you've never heard of that. I don't know who you work with. We figured out it was over the shoulder, you know, like a three quarter over the shoulder shot. But it was just kind of a cool thing to have like, you know, mm-hmm. a different comic artists would come through or different like um, actors and artists and stuff were always coming through the studios. And one time Alex Ross came to visit and he gave around a sketchbook for everybody to draw in. So I drew like a Batman because I'd drawn Batman, you know, back when I was in comics. And uh, uh, I was like, oh, well, this will be one of the better ones, you know. And then I flipped through a couple of pages, and there's this uh, Phil Noto, I think he drew Supergirl. And it's this absolutely beautiful drawing, like, and I'm like, oh, crap, I should have drawn this. I should have done a better job. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so then 2004, <laughs> I was it for Disney. And uh, came back to New York. All right. So with kind of as a follow up to that, so when the studio closed, um, was that kind of like, did that inadvertently force you back into comics or was that something that you decided that you had missed and wanted to absolutely back into, back into comics? I said, what else do I know? <laughs> you know, and like, I know how to draw and how to draw comics. And <laughs> let me see if I'm back in New York, uh, if I have any more, any connections left, you know, I've never been good at, um, the business side of comics. Like, pushing myself out there and I hate calling people up and say, Hey, you got any work? You know, it's like the worst part of the job for me. I'm not a good hustler at that because I feel, uh, I don't know. It, 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 it doesn't feel comfortable to me. It's like, if somebody asks me, I'd rather be asked for some help, you know, it's like, Hey, we need help on this. Instead yeah. of like, you know, it's, it would be great if someone had said like, Hey, you're the perfect guy for this job and I want you and nobody else. Instead, most of the time I was always in a position where, I'd call them up and say, hey, how's it going? You know, I'm, I'm back in town and I'm looking for work. And go, hey, that's perfect timing. I need you. To, I need someone to do this. And there were a couple of small jobs like that when I first got back. Um, and uh, it was really just getting back in touch with uh, my friends that were in comics that were in New York. And it turns out that Garth had moved to New York in the meantime. I'd seen him once uh, in Florida, actually, when I was down there. He was doing a convention. I, I went to go visit him um, when I was down in Florida. But coming back up in 2004, 2005, uh, Garth had moved into the city. And uh, there were a couple of mutual friends. We all got together. And we ended up just uh, going out every Friday night in, uh, in Manhattan to a, a bar, a bunch of people gathering and uh, telling stories and just having fun. And different people who were editors or other guys in comics would come and visit. So I uh, ended up talking to them and uh, they you know, look, at their, look at their work. It's kind of like a, like a mini convention every I was so hesitant to do anything on, on his stuff, but especially on the boys, because it's, you know, creator owned, he owned it with Derek. I, and it was just like, there's no, it's not a win for me to do this, you know, but, um, again, he's my friend. So I was like, uh, when he finally, when we did ask about the boys, I was like, all right, I'll see if I can get the, if I can draw the characters, I'll, I'll try it. You needed me for one arc, I think, uh, was the idea. And I went home and uh, from the bar and started drawing Butcher over the weekend. And I did like three or four drawings of Butcher. And they just were terrible. He looked like a linebacker. Like he was just... <laughs> and then I drew like a, a profile of him. And it felt right. It was like he had this look in his face like 
just in like a little smirk. He's looking up this way. I'm like, yeah, I've got you. And it's like, that's, this is the character. He's five steps ahead of everybody at all times. That little subtle smirk on his face. And as soon as I drew that, I was like, yeah. got it. I can do this. So I sent the drawings to Garth. He liked it. Um, and I drew the Believe arc. Um, and cause the deadline was crazy at the time. It was just like, I guess, I, I, don't really, I never knew the whole story behind anything. Uh, Derek ended up with other commitments he was doing. He was doing some of his own writing and stuff at the time, too. So he was doing other projects and the boys. And then, you know, it was just they needed the stuff met on deadlines. You know, again, above my pay grade, you know, it's just like I just do the work. Give me the work, I'll do it. <laughs> so uh, it was a four-issue work. Uh, I enjoyed it, had a blast. Um, and I was going to go, okay, well, see ya. And they said, can you do the next arc? And I said, all right, all right, I'll do that too. And uh, by the time at the end of the second arc I worked on, I had gotten really sick, ended up with pneumonia. Mm. And uh, not just because of working long hours or whatever, but pretty much like finishing up the last issue of it. I was like falling off my stool at the, at the, the drawing table. And uh, so I said, there's no way I can do the, the next arc. But, uh, and I would always ask, when is Dara coming back? Like, you know, he, you know, I, and I never knew. It's just kind of like they were happy with what was coming out. Stuff was, I mean, comics in general, you know, art in general, but comics especially, it's, uh, it's a business. And they need product on the shelves, you know. I would love to take like an, a year to draw every comic to make sure that yeah. every aspect, every fingernail is perfect on every character, you know. But you got to get it done. So I want to talk more about the boys. Um, before before awesome. I get into the boys, I so we, through my you know when we interview people, we obviously read about you guys and look you guys up and stuff like that. Um, I'm personally really curious about uh, Jimmy's Bastards, uh, and okay. I'm curious. What what can you? Because I know it's like a newer. It's what's coming out is newer. What can you tell us about it, if anything? Because I thought what I read was very interesting. He's like an ex. He's like 007 kind of right. Yeah, yeah. But he's like retired. Like, tell us about that a little bit, yeah, if so, you if you can. Absolutely no. So so, I've worked on a bunch of other projects with Garth after the boys, even before the boys. Jimmy's Bastards was the first one that we really got to do, uh, create our own project. You know, and, and it was it's basically it's a James Bond spoof. Uh, and the, uh, it's, it's not giving anything away from the first series that we did. It's in the title is what the story's about. So it's, uh, Jimmy Regent, basically a James Bond character has been doing his super spy thing for 20 odd years, uh, since he's like, you know, a young man, 18, 19 years old. Right. Uh, so in that time he's been sleeping around, uh, and dropping babies without really knowing or caring about it. So. Uh, so those babies now are grown, you know, young adults. So you figure in the book, they're probably from between 15, 16 to like 25, 26. And uh, they all get together and think, well, let's go get rid of our deadbeat dad. And uh, so his bastard children come back to, to do him in. And that's like the plot of the first story. So, um, which is, it was out of Aftershock Comics. It's been, we collected it into a, uh, a hardcover edition at nine issues. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. It was just, a, it's, it's very dark humor, you know. Um, it's not for the faint of heart, for sure. Um, it, it's, I wouldn't say it outboys the boys, but, uh, but you know, like, like boys out creatures, preacher <laughs> is the idea for the boys back in the day. But, uh, but yeah, Jimmy's Bastards is, is just like 
tongue-in-cheek, fun. It's an equal opportunity offender. It, uh, it offends people on both sides of the aisle. And uh, <laughs> we've gotten some grief from it, from, you know, reviewers or whatever. But uh, it was just, it, if, if you have a sense of humor and you want a laugh and a fun comic, fun ride, uh, basically see what happens with James Bond trying to fight off his uh, 200 or so illegitimate <laughs> children. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Jesus. And that sounds yeah, amazing. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's just fun. And if you can take it with that, uh, do it. So then we, we're doing more now. So it's now Jimmy's Little Bastards will be coming out. Okay, that's us. Before yeah. we started, I w- so when I was reading about it, it, you know, I saw Jimmy's Little Bastards. And then before we called you, I was like, oh, shoot, I don't want to get this wrong. Is it Jimmy's Bastards or Jimmy's Little yeah. Bastards? So, was- so uh, you started talking about... Uh, your experience with the boys a little bit. So I kind of want to switch gears because obviously when this episode airs, it'll be the week that season three comes out. So you kind of got into it a little bit, you know, about how you got involved, uh, you know, through Garth and stuff like that. But how... I I, I, like I felt really all, bad because I, I was like, oh, man, question. he just answered but, Chad's next question. <laughs> right. I, can, I can definitely elaborate, you know. But. <laughs> but, like, so as you got, like, involved and connected, because you said that you got pretty sick after, you know, the second arc. Like, when when that happened, I mean, how how much longer did the show go for? Well, or the, not the show, was, but the, uh, the comic run. God, that was around issue right after issue 51, uh, I had to take a break. Um, again, it's, it's a grueling process drawing, you know, uh, 20 pages of comics. It was down to 20. It was 22 or 20. It was the normal amount. And, uh, so, uh, but again, we, the deadline had been so tight right up to the, to the moment when I got started that I didn't have any, uh, any breathing room. So, uh, and just, you know, getting sick, it was in the middle of the winter. It was just, uh, and it was, it ended up being a good thing in a weird way because, uh, while I had that time off to recover, uh, John McRae was drawing uh, the, the story arc that took place in World War II that kind of gives you more information. So like 52 to 55 was all John McRae. And then I had a little bit of lead time to develop some stuff because Garth had pretty much written the whole thing. Uh, by the time I was working on like issue uh, 60, the whole thing was done. I mean, he'd written all the scripts. So, uh, and so I ended up working on issue 56 to issue 71. And uh, 72 was the last issue of the book that Derek yeah. drew. So, so my, my follow-up question to that is, um, so I've looked at a lot of your artwork, and I, obviously you're fantastic. Uh, specifically, I looked at the boys. And uh, looking at your drawings for the boys and looking watching the tv show um a couple of people don't quite add up and i'm just curious uh i I mean they're fantastic characters in both settings um but in your drawings billy butcher uh no beard he's a lot a lot bigger than carl urban um and huey uh does not look anything like huey in the so I was just curious what you thought about that. Uh, are you a fan of the casting? Um, have you even no, watched it? Or... No. <laughs> I love this. I think the show is amazing. It, yeah. It's really <laughs> incredible show. Uh, there are some things that have changed, like big time. 
but there are some things that I see on the show. Uh, not, I mean, I will answer your question, but there are also some things that are like, they step right off the page. Like mm. Homelander. There are scenes, Homelander's there. It's like, holy shit, I, I drew that. It looks, it's, he's doing it like, like I did it, but 10 times more, you know? Um, Starlight, too, is like huh. right off the page. So there are moments that are just kind of like, crap, they nailed it, you know? And they, um, they're, they're, those they characters made. are spot on, too. It's crazy. Yeah. From from the drawings to like actual people that look like your drawings is insane. I, I was just curious about the couple that I noticed. I was like, no, no, they don't look like his drawings. That's super. But the other the ones change, look so spot on. It's crazy. The changes they made, um, they made for good reasons. I mean, really early on when I first heard about them doing this, you know, um, I was I saw the, the butcher thing with the beard. And I'm thinking that's just not butcher's character. Butcher is like ex-military he's super clean he doesn't drink he's he's always just drinking water he, you don't even they don't call it out you just notice it he's got to stay the five steps ahead of everybody so mm -hmm. he's the mastermind um so i'm like it doesn't make sense for him to be like shaggy like that and you know unkempt you know but they've changed the character you got they, they this is a, a developing character on the tv show in the book um he's developed before you even meet him He's become butcher. He is like a force of nature, you know. Uh, for a TV show, you got to be able to identify with the character. He's got to okay. be vulnerable. And uh, you know, butcher in the comics is seldom vulnerable. And that's what we love about him. Though. We love that he's in control and that he's um, going to be a real bastard and fuck everybody up, you know. Uh, in the show, you got to be able. Yeah. People who don't know the comics have to be able to identify with that character and feel for him, you know. Uh, he's not juiced up on compound V at the beginning. All the boys in the comics are super powered to right. start. They're just super durable, tough, and strong with uh, either military background or at least some intelligence. And they make all the soups look like idiots because the soups don't know what they're doing. You know, um, the boys TV show, the soups are actually pretty capable. I mean, nobody in the boys comic that's a superhero is, is worth their weight. They, they're just terrible. I mean, uh, Butcher with a gun or Butcher just with a crowbar can take almost any of them, except, say, Homelander. He's like Superman level. Yeah. Uh, the rest of them, you never really feel scared for the boys in the comic at any moment. And horrible things did happen to some of them during the... But usually by accident, you know? Uh, the TV show has made the superheroes more uh, formidable and dangerous. And it's kind of a fun way to look at it. And it's, again, it's a different... Uh, different. The showrunner and the, and the writers on the show don't have the same kind of like uh, ideas about superheroes that Garth does. He's, I mean, to say Garth's not a big fan of superheroes is kind of interesting. You know? There are some that he loves, but um, basically, he'd much rather write war stories and uh, and not have to worry about like guys in capes and tights. You know, yeah. uh, so uh, he treated the soups the way he mm -hmm. wanted to treat them, which is kind of like as a joke. You know. Yeah. Uh, but um, people first started reading The Boys, they thought of it as just like, oh, this is just uh, toilet humor and, uh, you know, it's just making fun of all the things that we love. Uh, but it goes so much deeper than that. I mean, it starts out that way when you think of it that way. Uh, but then there's so much heart and so much um, feeling in the story when it comes right down to the end of it, too. Uh, it kind of catches you off guard. I think he does it really, it's really smart the way he did it uh, to like, throw people off with that kind of like uh, dark humor satire at the beginning and then have the story 
develop the underneath kind of like an undertow to the whole thing. So, um, yeah. But as far as the characters go, I mean, they needed Huey to be uh, like really your way in. Um, he is in the book too, but uh, the, your way in is a young American guy instead of a young Scottish guy. Uh, the fact that they use uh, Simon Pegg as his dad is, is brilliant. I think it's really cool. Uh, but I don't think him having the Scottish accent and, and looking like, like he does there would, wouldn't really have worked to, to bring in new uh, fans. You know, thank you so much for being here. This is yeah, like absolutely. I'm sorry, I just kind of like talked over everything. And oh my god, I'm so glad you did. And you you have more to say than we do on any of these topics. That's why we're asking questions and letting you go with it. That's what we wanted. To make sure that 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 your audience is getting their money's worth as far as information goes. Yeah, absolutely. So. Russ, uh, as, as we, we kind, kind of, of like near the end of this uh, interview with you, uh, do you have any like final words for fans of comics, of your work, like people that want to get into being artists? Like, well, on that, any final on that, words yeah, as far as like, again, if, you, if you've got a, a love for it, a passion for it, telling stories in general, I mean, uh, some people want to grow up and be a filmmaker. Uh, be a director or whatever but uh, you can do that through comics as a one-man team you know you've got a story idea uh some drawing ability you don't have to be you know uh i said that people talk about uh comic artists and it's just like this guy is great this guy sucks it's like no it's a matter of taste you know um all different kinds of art you can have like expressionist mm-hmm. painters you can have impressionist painters you have realists um there's no way to, to judge between Art Spiegelman and Alex Ross. You know, if the story speaks to you, it speaks to you. So if you can, if you have a story in your heart and you want to tell it, um, you don't have to be the greatest draftsman in the world to tell your story. Um, just put it out there. And there are more ways to get your stuff out uh, to the world than ever before now with the internet, you know, with uh, uh, web comics and uh, just do it. And you never know. Um, it could end up being a TV show on Amazon, you know, but, uh, there you go. but that's the way it goes. It's, it's really just about like, when I see people come up to me at, at uh, conventions and they show me their artwork and they show me their stuff, it's just like, uh, it's an honor. It's like, I get to pass stuff on that was taught to me by the greats in the field that I grew up with. So, um, they might not even know who the hell I am. They might not even care. It's just that this is a guy who's doing it. So I can give you some like hands-on, um, advice as far as like how to you know where you can go with what you've got well russ where where can uh where can fans and uh hopefully new fans from our uh podcast where can they find you oh well i've got uh, oh that's the other thing i do is like i said trying to like pass on the inspiration type stuff for, for comics in general and be like a good ambassador for the whole art form it's like uh on social media i'm on facebook i do an image a day uh, so every day I do a drawing, either it's something that I'm just drawing or something that I'm working on, uh, something that I've done in the past if I get really lazy. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, it's not hard to find. Just Russ Braun, I think, 589, whatever number they gave me. And that's uh, awesome. for Facebook and Instagram. And <laughs> Twitter is Russ Braun, too. There's a website, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you're interested, look the stuff up. Um, What's the website? 
Our website is russ-braun.com. So. Okay. Yeah, and we'll make sure we'll tag all this in our in yeah. our notes and stuff. Yeah. So. Again, Russ, thank you so much. Anytime you want to come back, talk about anything else you're working on, maybe with yeah. uh, Jimmy's Little Bastards as that comes out. Be a blast to have you back. Um, and again, thank you so much. And we can't wait to to see what else Absolutely, is guys. coming yeah, from you in the future. Holy cow, everyone. That was such a great interview. Russ is such a cool guy. That was my favorite interview that we've done thus far. No offense to any of our other interviews. Yeah. I was I mean, we love doing interviews, but yeah. he's he's super cool and just... I mean, the guy animated for Batman. Yeah. And the boys. And Lilo and Stitch. Dude, he created the villain, the purple guy. I don't know his name. I'm sorry, Russ. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we did the interview a couple days ago, so that name is not at the top of our... Top of our head, but but holy shit, man! Yeah, he he's done so many amazing things in the nerd world and super down to earth, super awesome, fun to talk to, and just yeah. very very kind. Oh, now before we we have to stop fanboying, uh, <laughs> but before we get into talking about Obi Wan Kenobi on Disney Plus, we do have to tell you about our second sponsor, which is Crybaby Craig's Hot Sauce. It's a fantastic hot sauce. It goes on damn near everything. It's pickled habanero and garlic. Just listen up. It's great. We'll be right back. Hey, you nerds. Do you love spice? Supporting small businesses? What about enhancing the flavor of your favorite foods? If you said yes to any of those, our good friends over at Crybaby Craig's have the perfect solution for you. Crybaby Craig's is a pickled habanero and garlic hot sauce that goes perfectly with your favorite foods, adding the perfect amount of spice and enhancing the flavor of everything it touches. Started in Minneapolis by Craig back in 2012, Crybaby Craig's has become a Minneapolis and Minnesota staple in the sauce world. So head over to crybabycraigs.com and order yours today. <laughs> All right, friends. <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk about uh, Kenobi. <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan. It's just called Obi Wan. Uh, now streaming on Disney Plus. The first two episodes are now streaming. Holy shit, they're good. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, someone's dog stepped out of the off camera. <laughs> Holy fuck. But <laughs> Obi Wan episodes one and two pulled together. <laughs> yes, I'm master. <laughs> Super good. Um, <clears throat> a little slow on the first episode, but a lot of story to. Yeah, yeah. and it's only going to be I think six episodes, so yeah. they kind of had to lay a little bit of groundwork. But by the end of the first episode, like, yeah, shit starts same, going down. Same yeah. like a lot. Yeah, it was a. It's actually pretty funny because, so, I'm trying to get my girlfriend into it, and <clears throat> I'm like, let's watch these two episodes. If you like it, we'll watch, uh, we'll start from the beginning and get through them. Um, and she agreed, and so I pause it right before, like, it started, and I'm like, oh, let me give you some context here. You know, <laughs> this is what happened, and I, like, break it down for her, like, just so she knows what's going on. I hit play, and literally the first thing that happens 
is it breaks everything down that happened yeah. between like the last movie and this. And I was like, fucking god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Just mansplaining things. Yeah. It was done. But right off the bat, I mean, we see, well, first off, Ewan McGregor is back as Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is great. Yeah. Woo-hoo. So excited. Yeah. Um, but he's very broken. Yeah. I mean, this takes place 10 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that also played Jedi Fallen Order, that happens kind of in between the two. But, uh, so, it opens with Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's a space butcher. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's like a giant, like, nurse shark. Yeah. The space nurse shark. Spinner shark. In the sand. <laughs> in the desert, yeah. Spinner shark sand. Oh, there. This so the one thing I did want to mention that um, we mentioned in uh, not not Mandalorian book of Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett. They mention um, the spice. Yeah. And then in this, in now in Obi Wan, they mention the Dune Sea, mm-hmm. which is cool because they reference Dune. Yeah. Again. Again. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was cool. <clears throat> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we also see that Obi-Wan is like periodically checking in on... Young Skywalker. Yeah, young Luke. Uh, growing up with his uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just like a little 10-year-old. Yeah. Like sneaks away while doing chores to go play. Yeah. Um, Pretty irresponsible. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible kids. Yeah. Um, we also get a, um, I would assume, close to the same age, if not the exact same age, uh, Leia. <laughs> <laughs> it's You're funny because they're twins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, damn. Also, spoiler alert, damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I saw a lot of people, like, complaining about how, like, <laughs> tiny the actress playing young leia is but literally she was born in 2012 which makes her 10 which is how old didn't complain about it but we did nicole and i both were like she's tiny for 10 that's crazy but like intellectually like she's there yeah because i i know people who are younger than 10 that are like i don't want to say a mean word bigger well i was going to say not intellectually there oh yeah that's fair yeah delayed <laughs> <laughs> delayed sounds... <laughs> uh no yeah. that's a liar uh <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> but we also get to see that she's a little uh force sensitive mm-hmm. already she yep. kind of can sense people's thoughts and uh, like emotions, mm-hmm. which is cool because in some of the comics and books, which I don't think many of them are still canon anymore, she does start showing that she's force sensitive very young and kind of shuts herself off from it because she doesn't understand because yeah. she's not around Jedi's to train, train her. her. Yeah. Um, we also get to see the Inquisitorial uh, squad with the Grand Inquisitor who 
everyone was complaining that he didn't look as much like the Clone Wars cartoon. Mm. It's like, well, yeah, because it's one, not a cartoon. <clears throat> but he still looks menacing and creepy. Yeah. And we yeah. get to see like the second sister and An- one, one of the brothers, the seventh brother. Uh, who looked very familiar. And yeah. it took some... IMDb ten, digging. Yeah, some 10-second digging to find out that it's uh, Han from uh, Fast and the Furious. Um, you know, but they're not Inquisitors. They're, they're family. family. Ah! All right, that was dumb. <laughs> it was funnier. It was funny. <laughs> it doesn't seem funny anymore. It's still funny. <laughs> Nobody gets anything right now. <laughs> How you spelled out? You like the music sick. note? You like the music note at the end? Oh, guys! Can you tell that we're excited to be back in the same room again? <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, before we get to that, let's yeah. talk about. Uh, oh, well, first off, young Leia gets kidnapped at the end of episode yep. one, and that's what kind of gets Obi Wan off of Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Is that Senator Organa goes to him and is like reprised? Yeah, well, reprised. Yeah. Yep, same actor. Uh, uh, Jimmy Smith. Is that his name? Yep. Okay. Um, so he's back, mm. which is awesome. Uh, the only person that is not back, because we didn't really see her in the prequels, was the lady that plays his wife, that plays oh, oh, oh. Uh, Mrs. Organa. Because uh, before it was just kind of like an extra, <clears throat> had no lines, had three seconds of holding a baby, and then yeah. it zoomed in on the baby, and that was it. So, but the actress that plays her is very compelling as well as trying to like understand mm. that she's raising a child, but also yeah, their stature as right an important family. Yep. But episode two, uh, we get to see kind of like the, <clears throat> I'm not going to make that comparison. It's a very slummy planet. It looks like Coruscant where it's just like one giant city, but it's one giant crap hole city again not gonna make the comparison what was the comparison that's gonna say just one big detroit oh. <laughs> i like it <laughs> sorry detroit kind of not really do better um yeah and uh well flea from red hot chili peppers yeah is the kid kidnapper one of the kidnappers yeah. Which is cool to, like, see him pop up, especially because, like, two weeks ago I learned that he did the voice of Donnie in the Wild Thornberries, you know, the the kid that, (laughs) like, that's Flea. Yeah. And now he's actually, like, acting. What was he? He was in something. Was it True Romance? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I my phone on the floor earlier. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) Otherwise, I would check, but... Uh, we find out that supposedly there's a Jedi hiding out in this city that's helping Force-sensitive kids mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. just refugees escape the the slums. Basically, what what's going on right now is they're trying to find any Jedi kids and kill them, or Jedi in general, yeah. and kill them, or uh, turn them <clears throat> to become Inquisitors for mm-hmm. the dark side for the the Empire. And uh, our boy uh, Kumail Nanjiani yeah. is in it. It's awesome. Uh, he's a fake Jedi. He's faking 
as a Jedi by using magnets and... And, like, remote controls in yeah. his gloves, so it looks like he's using the Force to, like, close windows, windows and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's cool. Uses a magnet to, like, pull a microphone into his hand. Mm-hmm. Or a communicator. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Yeah. But he seems like a pretty solid character. I hope we yeah. get to see more of him. I hope we get to see more of him. But he also seems like, even though he's being kind of like... A douche. Yeah, and like sneaky and just lying to people. Like, he's doing it to help people. Yeah. Which is cool. It's a it's a good <clears throat> dynamic to have mm-hmm. uh, for an interesting character. Because then we get to see where it goes. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, you take and, it. And then from there, uh, Kumail basically is there to help Obi-Wan and Leia get off of Escape. this yeah. planet. So <clears throat> Obi-Wan tracks Leia to the system so that he can rescue her. She's very skeptical mm-hmm. of him. And then she sees like the wanted poster for Obi-Wan and runs away. Mm-hmm. And... They're being chased and shot at, and she eventually trips and falls off. A she jumps, lot. or she jumps. She thinks but she that she can make it. Make it. She can't. It's kind of like Spider-Man Two with Toby. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm back. <laughs> oh, my back. <laughs> yeah. It's that. <clears throat> but oh. as she's falling, Obi Wan like reaches for her. She's still falling, and this is kind of when he. Opens himself back up to the forest to catch her. And then from there, Leia now trusts him because she didn't even think he was a real Jedi. Yeah. And it was cool. It was cool. Oh, you want to go from there? Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, So the big cliffhanger-ish is uh, so one of the uh, Inquisitors, or what what was her Mm -hmm. name? Um... Uh, uh, she is, name? uh, sister number, sister two. number two. Yeah. She basically tells, um, o- Obi-Wan, Ben, if you will, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, uh, Anakin is still alive and Ben, if you will, has a <laughs> full on like panic attack. Yeah. And, uh. The, what's cool is I didn't think that we were going to see <clears throat> right away uh, at least Hayden Christensen at all in the first couple episodes, let alone unmasked. Yeah. In the second and, episode. And he's in a back to tank. So like he's fully scarred, has like yep. the face mask on so he can breathe. And you hear like the. Didn't it look or didn't it remind you of uh, just going way off topic here. Didn't it <laughs> remind you of Lex Luthor in Smallville after. A little. Yeah. Like when he, yeah. yeah. Anyways, back to it. Uh, That's a good reference, though. <laughs> Smallville. Watch it. Even though that <clears throat> came out after episode three. So, I mean, they probably took it from Star Wars. <laughs> Who probably took it from Dune. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a cool scene. And what really grinds my gears, it was just so expensive. But he was there when we were at Comic-Con. I know. <sighs> The one the line was ungodly. Yeah, it was easily three times longer than David Harbour's. And it wasn't, it was like also like three times as expensive. And that doesn't mean that we settled for David Harbour, even though we did give him a shirt and he didn't represent us on his Instagram. Yeah. (sighs) The people at Comic-Con probably took it from him. They took it from him in front of our faces. Uh, Yeah. 
<laughs> we had hopes that he would get it back. Yeah, he didn't. I don't think he, they probably went in the trash. Damn them! It's <laughs> like twenty bucks. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the show's fantastic so far. We're only two episodes in. Uh, and it comes out on Fridays, so once this episode comes out on Wednesday, you'll have a couple of days to get caught up if you haven't watched it yet. Oh, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, we kind of got there at the beginning where I was like, when you're like, they're twins, I was like, what? Spoiler alert. <laughs> By the way, spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, well, it's new to being back in the same room again. We'll get back in the swing of it. Uh, but, yeah, guys, it's super great. <clears throat> I know it's... Not as action-packed or what everyone in the world wanted. I think it's going to get there, but though. But it's so good. It's going to get there, though. Yeah. yeah. And also, we see that, because in episode three, Obi-Wan, like, shoots General Grievous, and he's like, blasters are so uncivilized. And, like, now he carries a gun. Mm-hmm. He's just gone. I mean, he moved to the, the desert of Texas and fully adopted it. <laughs> Eating raw red meat and carrying a gun. <laughs> Never, not gonna go there. Keep, that was keep a, going. Not gonna do it. <laughs> I could. Don't nope, do it. I'm not going to. All right, guys. <laughs> We're gonna go ahead and close out this episode. <laughs> you guys know the spiel. Go check us out on Patreon. Yeah. <coughs> uh, we got giveaways, extra bullshit, in between the scenes stuff where we're yeah joking about stuff that we don't air. Um, Plus the full. Like, if you enjoyed the interview with Russ this week, uh, on our Patreon, there'll be the full unedited episode Mm. or interview. Um, Same thing, I guess. Uh, So that'll all be there. Uh, Pay attention to our Instagram in the the coming week or so, because we're going to announce our next live stream, Mm -hmm. uh, where we'll be doing the Hot Ones Challenge. I should have pulled the box out for it. Uh, Too late now. That's fine. We have the... (laughs) We're going to be doing the Hot Ones Challenge. It's literally right there, but I'm not getting up. Uh, But we'll also include some Crybaby Craig's hot sauce, so you guys can kind of see. If you're still on the fence and haven't tried our hot sauce yet, shame on you, but you'll get to kind of know where it lines up in the terms of also We're also going to have a... A guest for the Hot Ones Challenge. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend. So She's going to be joining us. Yeah. We'll see which one wimps out first, me or her. Or me. Are you? You'll just get the hiccups. I get the hiccups, Then yeah. you'll come back yeah. and be like, ready for this. Ah! And I'll be like, wow, was this ketchup? It's really hot. <laughs> just kidding. I love spicy food, but I will die. It's going to be bad. Yeah. It's going <clears> to <throat> hurt. Anyways. Uh, we love you guys. You know, no. show us some support if uh, you guys like what we're doing, so we can keep doing it. Yeah. Other and we'll that. see you guys next week. This has been the All Things Nerd Podcast. Tink. <laughs>